0: to Adaptivist Live, the Atlassian Ecosystem Podcast. Today, we're going to be looking at some interesting news from Atlassian, review, a great blog from our colleagues in Tempo, and a special guest appearance by Igor Serrata of ALM Works. I'm Ryan Spilkin, and today I'm joined by Brenda Burrell and Jamie Sawyer. Matthew Stubblefield is away stealing the Declaration of Independence. Brenda, Jamie, hi.
1: Hello. Hey,
0: Ryan, how are you doing? Dude, so so great to have you on. We really have looked forward to having a British voice on this show for how, <laughs> I can't tell you how long.
2: I've, I've been excited about coming on to this for a while and uh, finally got the invite in my mail. I mean, you know.
0: Yeah, it's taken us long enough, but Jamie, it's wonderful to have you, but now we're going to blame all of our problems on you, and we're going to start with this update to Atlassian Cloud, because usernames are a thing of the past, and whose fault is it? Yours, Jamie. <laughs> It is, this is GDPR's fault. Yeah,
2: this was an interesting one, wasn't it? Um, when you first highlighted this one to me and, and I had a look at it, it uh, came across as rather shocking that uh, not only are they getting rid of users, but when you dig into this, they're actually removing username support from all of their APIs as well, which uh, sounds... Quite extreme, and it's all to do with the European Union. So,
0: yay, I guess. Well, it's a good thing you Brits are bailing. <coughs> sorry, sorry, <laughs> I, I, I couldn't help myself. Definitely tried to avoid that one. <laughs> um, but why are usernames taboo to GDPR? I don't understand that. Looks like
1: you don't either. <laughs> We're we're at a loss as well.
0: Yeah, I, I, my my understanding that to, to
2: the, the the best that I can come up with is that it's going to make Atlassian's life a lot easier in responding to uh, requests for your personal information and your right to be forgotten mm. within the Atlassian Cloud platform. Um, if you've got a user that exists across multiple different sy- systems within Atlassian Cloud, that could be very difficult to unpick. That's about as far as I can think. But this said, I'm not necessarily sure whether that would satisfy GDPR if they're taking responsibility for all the data in the cloud instances, which they can't be in this case. So uh, the only piece. So effectively, it's not quite as scary as it initially sounds, having had a look through the developer notes on this. Um, although they're removing the username, they're effectively uh, asking. Plugin vendors and anyone that uses the API to rely on your account ID instead. So there still will be a unique identifier per user that will be standard across the entire Elastic Cloud system. Um, And there is the ability to show a display name as well, although that's determined by the user's own privacy settings. So hidden underneath all this is actually something which is quite interesting, which is that it looks like the Elastic cloud system is going to be increasing the ability of users to restrict access to your personal information through the APIs, through your users' privacy settings.
0: Is this a heavy lift for the de- the devs?
2: It, it could be. Um, I'm... It, it, a lot of anything that you've written that's using Atlassian Cloud uh, as a plugin is going to be accessing Atlassian Cloud over the REST APIs. And if you have written a plugin which is dependent on using usernames, so for example, to say that when, let's just imagine on a Jira software instance, we're wanting to assign an issue to a user on a transition, you're going to be defining that by username. And if usernames no longer uh, accessible, you're going to have to be starting to do this on user ID. And my fear with this is that it's going to um, cause issues for the end user in setting up add-ons like this because they're going to have to know the account ID of their individual users rather than usernames, and that could be a whole different kettle of fish.
0: Well, that's not even you. Don't even have to be an add-on developer for that because the post function. You know, just the the built-in workflow post function. Interesting. All right. Well, this will be interesting to see how this one evolves. We will keep track of it um, and get back to you. And of course, we will include a link to the blog post where we found this information in our SoundCloud description. While we're at it, another change coming to cloud, and this one's much prettier, much lighter. They're rolling out the new help center to Jira Service Desk in the cloud. And that is beautiful. Knockout. 10 out of 10. So a fantastic blog post was published by our friends over at Tempo. And I I think that we think it's fantastic because it encourages us to take breaks. And who doesn't like those? Especially when the office has Prosecco and beer.
1: I'm a little jealous that I'm not in the office with Prosecco and beer. Yeah. Um,
0: As am I, and I'm only 30 miles away from the office. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah. Um, no, this this blog post was was pretty fantastic, and this is this is things that we all know. I mean, it's like yeah, you need to get up and walk around every so often, and, and you know your productivity is going to be hindered if you're not taking breaks. But it's it's really good to be reminded with a nice numbered list of reasons it's good to take breaks. So, you know, it's a big one. Obviously, you're going to be more productive if you do take breaks. A um, this blog post references a study, uh, from 2014 without a full and proper lunch break, daily productivity is lowered because I work at home. It's really easy for me to walk downstairs, make a sandwich, come upstairs, eat and keep working. And it's, it's hard for me. Partly, this is a, I'm remote and time zones are different. Um, sometimes when it's my lunch, it's working hours for other people. So it's hard for me to take a a lengthy lunch break. Um, But that's important. And and I I, when I worked in an office and I had that lunch hour, that was valuable time for me to decompress from the morning and and think over problems. And maybe I'm I'm eating my lunch and I I solve something in the background. Um, So that's it's really important to do things like taking breaks. Um, This points out if uh, if you're tracking your time in JIRA and you're showing a lot of 50 and 60 hour work weeks, you are getting less done than you think you are. Remember to take breaks. Well, that Remember being said,
0: we at Adaptivist it definitely encourage you to not work 50, 60 hours. We
1: we encourage you to stay at 40 hours a week. And I have, in fact, um, I, I have three direct reports, um, all of whom have lately had a tendency to go over their 40 hours. And I have individually with each of them said, hey, too much. Tone it down. Um, <laughs> and they've been great. <laughs> they've
2: been great. All right. Uh, I've I've been having uh, similar recently. I, I uh, recently became a manager of a team, and um, one of my team members is working far too much. And 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 I've said to him, "Look, you really should be taking some toll for this." You know, the, the ability to do that because he's going to burn himself out otherwise. And so, tried to make sure that we keep on top of that. And you know what, tempo is really helpful for that it as well. Is.
1: Um, the item about needing to move, this is one that I'm really bad about. And I've even started blocking off time on my calendar to like, just, it just says, go outside, go (laughs) outside. I live in Seattle on the rare days that we have sun. You really need to be outside getting, getting sunlight. Um, but I am really bad about, you know, I, I might have six straight hours of meetings scheduled thanks to the time zone differences. So, um, I, I will realize, you know, I start my workday at six or six 30 in the morning and at about one o'clock I go, I haven't had lunch yet. Well, I've already put in most of my day at that point. And so it's, I need to remember to stop, to get up, to walk around. I, I need to move. And I'm, I'm struggling right now with, I've, I've put on weight. Um, I, I'm i going to. I mean, I'm going to fitness classes, but I'm sitting at my desk. I'm mindlessly munching on snacks. I've made the mistake of said I've got a nice little shelf over here that's full of what I mean. They're healthy snacks, but if you just eat all of them at once, then anything's bad for you. So, um, story of my life. Yeah, it's I, I've been sitting and it shows. And so I'm I'm actually going to be in the next few weeks. I'm going to start increasing. I'm going to more of these. I'm going to a dance class. I'm going to start doing it uh, more more evenings per week. Um, because I love it. It's good for me. It's a great way to decompress and it, it gets me up and moving. Um, I I say every day I'm going to take a break and I'm going to do yoga and I'm going to tell you, I'm like zero for 365 (laughs) for taking a break and doing yoga. Hey,
0: I heard some really, uh, Brenda, I I don't mean to interrupt you, but I have heard some really great advice lately. And that is, the, the best you there are two best times to start 10 years ago and right now
1: and right now yes um so yeah definitely um make sure you're moving throughout the day and and hold me accountable because i'm i'm one of the worst offenders on this one um but another thing that the article mentions is making realistic to-do lists and i've been really bogged down lately in my to-do list and yeah, I'm, cool. I'm at a point where it's like you know this thing's been on my list since about 2013. I'm not going to get to it. <laughs> I don't need it on my to-do list. It's not happening. And, and it's like I want to capture things because if I don't write it down, I'll forget it. Um, but with my to-do list, if I write it down and then I don't do anything with it, it's going to get forgotten anyway. So I really do need to go through and prune down the to-do list, you know, take out those things that <clears throat> if, if no one has come to me asking of the status of this thing that's been on my list for a year, it's not important it can go. Um, so it's things like that, but schedule breaks, put them, put them into your, your calendar, put them, you know, give yourself a reminder and actually do it when the reminder pops up. That's the important part. Putting it in your calendar doesn't count. It's actually getting up and taking a break. Um, this article recommends every 45 to 60 minutes. I absolutely agree. You need once an hour to be up and away from your desk and moving around, even if all you're doing is, is walking laps around your kitchen. Certainly
0: um, there are roses to smell somewhere.
1: Oh, somewhere, yes. I, I have a beautiful garden. I have a beautiful backyard. I, it's not very big, but I need to spend time in it. So um, sometimes it's, it's you know, yesterday it was just I realized, you know, I really need to run my dishwasher. And so I took a few minutes and I was like, well, if I want a clean bowl for dinner, I need to wash dishes. <laughs> yeah, so it's yeah. like I took 15 minutes and I, I cleared all that out. And I felt better afterwards and I was able to come back to what I was doing and go, okay, I don't have the dishes and the laundry and everything hanging over my head. That's the downside of working at home is you realize that you're behind on all your home chores. Um, but it's, it's important that you're, you're taking the breaks, you're getting up, you're moving around, you're being realistic with your to-do lists and, and make sure that when you take that break, it's, it's away from a screen. You know, I'm really bad about, I'm taking a break and I go and I pull up, you know, I talked about Panda Pop, which is one of my favorite mobile games. Um, my, my breaks tend to be, oh, I could fit in a couple levels of panda pop. That's not really a break. It's really not. I need to put everything down. And like I said, I need to go outside. Um, I'm so, doing the tree
0: pose right now.
1: You are not. I can see you. <laughs> 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 um, so anyway, um, it, it's, really, it's important to me. It's something that I've had this growing awareness of over the last few weeks in particular of I'm not doing these things and I need to be taking better care of myself. Um, And I'm going to encourage anybody else who is falling into some of these same traps that I have been lately. Step back, build that time into your calendar, take the breaks, put the screens down, take care of yourself because you're going to burn out. You're going to get worn out. You're not doing your best work if you're not taking care of yourself.
0: And if those people who report to Brenda and Jamie are listening, stop working so much, you guys.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Eight hours a day and knock it off. Max. (laughs) Max.
0: All right, so how do we make those eight hours a day even more effective? One of the best ways we can make use of that time is by doing efficient searches. And where are we searching for material a lot? We're searching in Jira, and we're searching in Confluence. And one of the best ways to get complex searches out of Confluence to find exactly what you're looking for is through ScriptRunner for Confluence.
2: Yeah, so this has been a... uh a, a recent issue that a lot of our customers have had of late with all the new GDPR rules, bringing up GDPR again, I'm afraid. can't help yourself. Um, well, no, it, it's kind of the pain of everyone in Europe's life at the moment, as far as I can tell. Um, but in a lot of cases, we're, uh, uh, our customers, and to be fair… We ourselves, we, we need to look up where we are storing customer data so that we can give people reports on what information we store on them and so on and so forth. And actually, with, with basic search within Confluence, there are limitations to what you can do. Um, we, we, we all know that pain of just using search box in Confluence to try and find that bit of information you're looking for. Um, but within Confluence, and and actually, it's, it's hidden behind the scenes in most instances, you have this… Uh, tool called CQL. So, uh, obviously, we've got a lot of listeners that know a lot about the Elastic tools. Um, you're, I'm sure you all know about JQL, the Jira query language that we use on a day-to-day basis to query in Jira. There is actually the same sort of thing within Confluence, CQL. And this um, isn't generally exposed to the end user. It only appears on the REST interfaces. It only appears within the uh, Java APIs.
0: Yeah, I've, I've been using Confluence for almost... A decade and had no idea. Oh my
2: goodness! I, I mean, to be fair, to be fair, CQL only came around about a year, a year and a half ago, something like that. But it's still not exposed to the end user. Um, what script runner for Confluence does provide us with is um, an integration into the search. Uh, box for Confluence, so on the search page for Confluence, to give you access to that advanced CQL search, so you can actually build those queries yourself, refer back to them on a regular basis, all this sort of thing, Ooh. and it, it makes your searches for GDPR so much easier.
0: <laughs> all right, so we will, of course, include a link to the to the Adaptivist blog. Check it out. You learn something new every day. And now we're going to diverge from our normal format for an interview. With Igor Serrata of ALM Works, the CEO and founder of of ALM Works, one of our colleagues in the Atlassian ecosystem, who bring you Structure and Structure Gantt. I spoke with, I got the chance to speak with Igor about uh, a posting on the ALM Works blog, and I hope you enjoy our talk. Igor, thank you so much for being here. Thanks, glad to be here. A pleasure to see you. It's always a, a nice time when we get to run into each other at the Boston AUG uh that's a one of the good user groups but recently you were out
3: in was it portland for app week yeah that's right uh that was uh i don't actually remember it's probably eighth app week uh, that atlas did for uh vendors in the ecosystem and what did you see there that you, you were impressed by well it's uh it's a really good format you, you get a whole week to focus on something and uh uh, get in touch with Atlassians, get all the latest uh, te- technical updates, and uh, get to talk to people. So while I've been there with my uh, colleague, uh, I've been mostly talking.
0: <laughs> cool. Me- meeting and greeting. Um, earlier this month, Igor, there was an article published on the ALM Works blog about, about just the founding of ALM Works and the beginning of structure. So you founded ALM Works in 2004, and then you put structure out in 2010. What yeah. what happened between 2004 and 2010?
3: Um, sweat misery. <laughs> 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 it's uh, yeah. We we you know as uh, many startups they they need to pivot uh, at some point. Uh, we were just you know kept going in one direction and do a while to understand that we need to maybe do so, something differently. Um, so we did a couple of products back then. Um, one was Desk Seal, and the other is Client. So Your Client was the first one, uh, the, the first product that got us introduced into this wonderful, Atlassian ecosystem.
0: Once you built structure, uh, the interview, which is going to be linked here in our SoundCloud. Once you started combing the features, feature requests in Atlassian's Jira, you found that subtasks of subtasks. I can do that, but did it look like structure in your mind when you first envisioned it?
3: Not really. Yeah, it's uh, it was a search, right? I was looking for uh, for a pain uh, to solve, and that was really great that Atlassian had uh, still have this. Uh, uh, issue tracker, their own Jira, uh, with uh, things that people ask for, and so this—I remember it's Jira 4446. It had uh, the most votes; it was the third from the top. So I thought, yeah, this is something that an add-on can do. And you know, not every possible feature request can be solved by by an add-on, but this felt like this could be something extra. Maybe not everybody needs it, but maybe a lot of people do.
0: Yeah, no. There, I mean, when you have like fifteen hundred upvotes on a on a request, it's kind of shocking that they didn't do go, move to implement it themselves. But as we at Adaptivists know, that that's they leave room in the ecosystem for people like us who are going to solve problems. So, how do you use structure to solve problems on a day to day basis?
3: Oh well, uh, we use it everywhere. We're probably uh, not the typical uh, customer for structure, because uh, many of our uh, clients are large corporations with multiple teams, multiple projects. Um, we are uh, just a 30 something uh, company, uh, but we still find a way to use it creatively in all aspects. So uh, I personally have a backlog of things to do, uh, and uh, we use uh, our formulas to calculate with Jeff. We... That's, I think, how they call it? The waitest, shortest... Uh,
0: shortest process. jobs first. Yeah, wait yeah. a job first. Yeah.
3: yeah, which is basically a fancy name for uh, the biggest bang for the buck, ratio of, you know, the effect uh, to, to the work that needs to be done. Um, we do use structure to manage our uh, support queues in your Service Desk. So there's a, a, a bit of integration there. Um, we... Uh, We do have uh, non-software development uh, projects like the launch of Structure.Gant done through Structure and through that same Structure.Gant. So that was very meta. Um, And uh, yeah, I think there are a couple of other cases. So it's basically uh, a tool, um, like a 6 Army knife. There's a lot of building blocks and uh, it's up to... Our customer and uh, us, how to put that into use creatively.
0: So, Structure Gantt was really exciting when it was launched. I think it's a great looking and great functioning great Gantt chart. Can you give us any insider information about what's coming next?
3: So, Structure Gantt right now is very good for visualization, visualizing uh, the plans that you already have there and for some. Um, uh, extent to some extent for manipulating sorry manipulation uh changing the dates uh, uh changing the estimates and seeing uh what uh resources you have and uh, how much of them are allocated to work the next things that are coming are uh, more uh into the, more in the area of resource management and automated planning uh, basically Answering question: Given that amount of work and that amount of resources, when realistically can we have this done?
0: Now that's very important. So, Igor, um, you mentioned that you you at ALM Works actually use Structure with your service desk. Is yes. is there a public facing case study on that? Is there somewhere where people can see how you're doing that?
3: Not really. Yeah, that's a good, great idea. We okay. Yeah, we can do that.
0: I think that's something that customers would be interested in. And you heard it here first. Maybe we'll get them to turn out a case study on using structure with Jira Service Desk. Okay. All righty. Your last question. Can you give us any like teaser that you can give us
3: for ALM Works in the coming year? So the most important thing for us right now is Structure Cloud. So Structure right now is only for server and data center. For Structure Cloud, we are... Um, Kind of remaking the whole thing because we want to integrate not only with Jira but also with other systems. So on the uh, App Week that was uh, just recently in Portland, we worked uh, on integration with Trello. The idea being is that some people would, uh, some companies would use Trello and uh, Jira at the same time, maybe in different teams. But uh, at some point, they would need to see uh, the data coming from both systems. In a uniform, in a a uniform way, um, in a single kind of big picture view of all things. So, the structure cloud uh, will hopefully uh, start uh, being available uh, close to the end of this year. Uh, And then there's a huge amount of work of integrating with all uh, systems atlassian and beyond.
0: Awesome. Well, it's a lot to look forward to from ALM Works in the future. Igor Serrata, thank you so much for joining us
3: today. Thank you, Ryan. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Atlassian has been in the news most recently in an article on Smart Company, where Atlassian is talking about how they are totally re-engineering their hiring practices. And this is a pretty, this is a pretty big move for a company to make. They're taking this sort of idea of cultural fit and turning it on its head. Guys, what do you think?
1: I, I really, this article was very interesting for me. Um, you know, culture fit is, is just always sort of a, you know, we're going to hire people that fit our culture. And in this article, we, it's actually the author quotes this as an intractable morass of unconscious bias. And what she's advocating is that you you begin, you replace this um, in your hiring process with something she calls value alignments. Um, and so it talks about Alassian's uh, corporate values, um, which truly lead the way Alassian thinks. Um, and this, of course, includes the famous open company, no bullshit values. Um, and, and it calls you to be the change you seek. And it's, um, the article talks about how they're interviewing to select for what aligns with the company values. Um, it, it talks about, you know, your, your company culture is going to be set in the first 15 to 20 employees. And depending on what that is, um, you know, you it's really going to guide how the company is going to going to look as you grow. Um, So it talks in this article about an employee who comes out as being on the autism spectrum and his team made him comfortable enough to do that, um, which is it's a great thing. You know, people are, are willing to accept, you know, my coworkers are not the same as me. Um, and when, when teams feel like they can be open and honest with each other, they're likely to be happier and more productive. And and we've got a a, a little bit that we'll talk about more on that later in the podcast. Um, but it's, it's good for business. It's good for people. Um, you know, you first, the first step obviously is to have a mix of people in the room. Um, and, and I have been, I've been in those groups where it's, it's 11 white dudes and me, a white girl. And that's sometimes you don't get a great range of perspectives on that um and and so this article talks about hiring first of all to have a really balanced team with a, a variety of of you know different types of people so you have those different perspectives and then it goes on to talk about something that that really hit home for me and it's not only important to have a mix of people in the room but then to make sure their voices are heard and and it talks about at last scenes no interruption role so when you're in meetings if a, a woman, a person with marginalized identity, or an, an introvert, if you know that, um, basically it's we we're, we're those are the people who, who tend to be interrupted in meetings. And so the no interruption rule means that if if they're speaking, they're not interrupted. And and as as a woman in tech, I get talked over all the time. I mean, it happens all the time. And it's incredibly frustrating. And no offense, Ryan, you did it to me earlier in the podcast. And it's, it's the, the kind of thing that just makes me want to tear my hair out and go, you know, I'm just not cut out for this. And it's all I want is to be able to say what I was trying to say. And, and something that, that I do with my team is, uh, or, or groups that I'm working with is, you know, hey, let this person finish what they were saying. Because sometimes, you know, you get a little bit contentious about something and you want, right, I got to have my point made. And it's no, this person was talking and you interrupted them. And so, first of all, a no-interruption rule is fantastic. Second of all, enforce it. If, if you if you notice that someone is talking over someone else in your meeting, it doesn't matter who that person is, let them speak, let them make their point. And, and that is a very simple thing that's gonna make someone feel valued. Um and, and, and this is important to me. I have I've responded so well in organizations where all, all I needed was someone in the meeting to go, hey, Brenda was speaking. And those are the people that have turned out to be some of my, my best friends through my career, some of my greatest colleagues. And, and it just, it completely changes the tone of, of where I am when someone says, Brenda's voice is worth being heard. And, and so that no interruption rule, I think, is is incredibly important. And I really like it. And I think it's worth adopting in general. And and it's important, you know, to, to have people from these different backgrounds with these different perspectives, personalities, work experience, work ethic. Everybody's bringing a different perspective to the table. And, and by enforcing that no interruption rule, you're allowing those different perspectives to come to the surface. And they're gonna be a lot of people who are, you know, as an introvert, we've talked about imposter syndrome. We've talked about, I'm I'm a girl. It's really easy for me to go in a group Eh, you know, maybe, maybe I don't have that much to contribute. Actually, it turns out I do. I'm, I'm pretty good at my job. Um, I I know a lot of things about the ecosystem. It's not like I don't have, there are things that I can say. And so when someone says, you just interrupted Brenda, let her finish. That is amazing for me. And so this, this article, I, I think was really, it was very interesting for me in that perspective.
0: Jeez, Jamie, where were you on that one earlier when I interrupted Brenda? Can't believe. Yeah,
1: Do better in the future, Jamie.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> Let me interrupt um, both of you here. And oh. I'll just say, it's also important to build a culture where those folks feel like they can speak up when they're interrupted. And I could go, Ryan, excuse me. I wasn't finished. I could have. And I thought about it and I didn't, but in a meeting where maybe something was being contentious and, and I really needed to get my point across, I can stop and say, excuse me, I wasn't done. <laughs> When you're used to being interrupted, it's really hard to stand up for yourself like that. So I'm trying to advocate for a team culture that is not only you know we're going to let you speak, but if you do get interrupted, you're allowed to say, "Hey, you just interrupted me. I wasn't done. Anyway, I interrupted both of you. Carry on."
0: Well, Jamie, you were you were one of the original fifteen to twenty in Atlassian you, uh, at Adaptivist. Excuse me, you were no, one of the original. Again. He's so you have determined the culture. Look what you did!
1: It's all your fault, Jamie.
0: <laughs> I, it's 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 an interesting one.
2: This, uh, having read this article earlier on today, I've I've been catching myself a fair few times with, with, with meetings all day today and, and in this podcast recording as well. I've been catching myself where I would have jumped in with a comment or something, and I I didn't quite realise quite how bad I could be with that. So um, it's it's. Yeah, something I'm going to be thinking about a hell of a lot more in the future.
0: But you know, Jamie, in all fairness, referring back to the previous article that we went we we reviewed about taking breaks, as the day goes by, your decision making process, your your ability to make good decisions plummets. You're at the end of the day, and you're just making terrible decisions. You did sign <laughs> up to be a co host, Jamie. I, I mean, <laughs> true enough, true enough. True enough. <laughs> and one of the great ways to retain staff that have been brought in by non slanted language even though in all fairness i have always wanted a job description that looked was looking for a teenage mutant ninja turtle but one of the great ones yeah i know it doesn't brenda the look is priceless
1: but <laughs> as as someone who once hired you ryan I realized that what I was looking for for that position was a teenage mutant ninja turtle. So everything has come full circle. You, you, you were a success indeed.
0: Oh, I love it. I, that was the best thing I've heard today. Uh, I'm Donatello, right? Okay. Anyway, to to retain these people that you you've now you've went through the effort of fixing your job descriptions, you have you've attained some talent. How do you keep them? Well, you make your work transparent, right? A great blog from Atlassian talks about five simple ways to create transparency at work. And I'd like to quote Matthew here before I I turn to you guys. I'm going to paraphrase Matthew, excuse me. But he says, and I think this is great, Jira is a communication tool. It is not a lockdown work tool. It's something we use to communicate with. And that alone encourages transparency. When people can go and see what's, what's, what's doing in my neighborhood you've instantly got some transparency and so Matthew enforces that and I I like it a lot what do you think guys
1: the title says this is you know five simple ways these these on paper they're simple they're hard to implement they're incredibly hard to implement be honest oh yeah that sounds easy enough I'm going to be honest well can you be honest in a situation where you know say as a manager you've got an employee who's you know logging time that they're obviously not spending actually working you know how do you deal with that you know is it you no, know, I'm, I'm. I see that you're doing this. I'm giving you another chance. Fix it, or face disciplinary action. Or do you do that? Ah, you know, I like this person, and I. You know, it's it's all going to be okay. I mean, it's, those are hard conversations to have. So you do have to be honest. Um, you know, sharing results. This talks about, um, sharing your wins, losses, and challenges. We at Adaptivist are really great at sharing our wins. You know, hey, we landed a, a huge contract. This is a client that we're super excited to work with it's it's going to be an incredible project everybody is, is totally amped or we completed a project and we got this incredible feedback these are the good things we like to build those up what we're not necessarily good at is going out to our adaptivist hip chat room and going well we screwed up big time yeah we don't even want to mention it um so but there's lessons learned and it's important to share those results. So that's, again, it's very hard to go, you know, I made a mess of this one over here. Um, this is what I tried to do to fix it. It all fell apart. Everything was bad. I'm going to go hide in the corner now. We don't want to do those. But it, it's important to include those along with the wins. You know, I'm, I'm glad Jamie's on here. Jamie and I have a standing meeting every couple of weeks. And I get all the latest gossip and details of what's going on. <laughs> Jamie, just got to admit. And it been, really
2: is just a gossip it's session.
1: Just, it's just a gossip <laughs> session. And it does so much for me. For us, it's a geographical silo. For other organizations, you know, it could be something else that you're siloing. It could be what you do. Well, my group handles networking and your group handles programming. Well, sometimes you need to work together. And, and so it's, it's make sure you're talking to people outside of your specific group.
2: I think that's something which I've I've Seen over the last. So I've been with Adaptivist for six years now, and obviously when I joined, there were very few of us. We were sat in a little office in Covent Garden, and you know it was me sat next to the CEO and Simon, and um, you, you know all having a lovely time. And obviously as we've grown, we we've experienced some growing pains with precisely this sort of thing: the, the siloing of groups within the the teams. You know you you can see that with um, you know Ryan is obviously in our learning development team. Um, I'm sat in the consultancy team, when was the last time that we had a a good conversation? It's more difficult to do that now, I think, than it used to be back in the old days. And it's something which uh, I'm trying to help and trying to break down those silos, but it is a difficult challenge to to sort of overcome. And and for this to be listed as a easy thing in this list of um, options in the blog post, I think is a little bit um, questionable.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Five easy to type things. (laughs) Indeed, indeed.
1: Five simple things. Very simple to write down. Not so simple to actually do. Very, very important to do your best to foster these things. Certainly aspirational definitely.
0: And speaking of aspirational, I want to thank Jamie Sawyer for taking the time to join us today. Jamie, you are welcome to come back anytime.
1: We've heaped loads Sorry. of abuse on you, but uh, we we love you and we hope you'll come back.
0: Oh uh, no, no, all good, all good. All, 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 always happy to come on the podcast. With that being said, for Brenda Burl and Jamie Sawyer, I'm Ryan Spilkin. Thanks again for joining us on this edition of Adaptivist Live, the Atlassian Ecosystem podcast. We'll see you again next time. Hello and welcome to At Atlass-
1: Last. <laughs> <laughs> you see, Jimmy? You see what I mean? After a good start, after a good yeah? start. <laughs> <laughs>